Welcome to the Linguamania podcast, presented by the Creative Multilingualism team. We are a group of people who love languages. We think languages are an essential part of being human. They're part of our identity and part of our culture. And we think they should be celebrated at every possible opportunity. So, our podcast shine a light on some fascinating aspects of languages and language learning which you might not have come across before. I'm Professor Rajinda Dudra from Birmingham City University. I'm also a researcher at Creative Multilingualism. We're exploring the links between languages and creativity. Let me ask you a question. How many languages do you think are spoken in homes across the UK? Perhaps you're counting them up right now. English, one. Scots, Gaelic, Irish, Welsh, that's four more. Punjabi, Italian. OK, we've got a way to go, so let me stop you there. An eye-popping 4.2 million people, that's almost 8% of people living in the UK, report another language, not English, as their main language. This is according to the 2011 census. Top of the list after English comes Polish, then Punjabi, then Urdu, Bengali, Gujarati, Arabic, French, the list goes on. But how many of these home languages make it into mainstream British culture? During a project for creative multilingualism, the Leicester-based hip-hop artist Stanza Devan, and you'll meet him again later in this episode, he talked about the street slang he heard growing up in West London. Much of it was adopted from black British dialect, this was different from the speech of the predominantly white, middle-class children at his secondary school a few streets away from where he lived. Stanza was talking about English, two different types of English, different accents representing different identities. So has British theatre accommodated this range of accents and identities? Here, the playwright, performer, producer and theatre scholar, Dr Mojisola Adebayo, Lecturer in Drama, Theatre and Performance at Queen Mary University of London gives an expert view on the London stage. Hello, my name is Moji Solaradabayo and I'm a theatre artist. I think theatre, at least in London, is fairly representative of different kinds of voices. Um, but I think the representation of black characters in particular still has a tendency to reference the Caribbean, in particular Jamaica, and West Africa, in particular Nigeria. And I think there is so much more to being black than this. Um, for example, in my latest play, Stars, which goes on at Oval House next spring, um, there is an old lady in the play. She's a black old lady and she's in her 80s and she's lived in London all her life and has a very strong Southeast London accent. And when we did the research and development stage, a couple of people were kind of confused and were like, is she black? And yeah, she's black and she's being played by a black actor. But somehow she did didn't fit the stereotype of what it is to be black. And why all this matters is that, as Stuart Hall has taught us, representation produces meaning. And if you only represent black people as a certain kind of idea, even when we ourselves as black artists only represent a very kind of limited, very, very slim kind of version of blackness, then we limit our idea of what it is to be black, who, it, who we can be as black 
people, what our possibilities are, where we can reach into the world. And I believe we reach all over the world and beyond, into the stars, into the future, into the past. And so I think it's really, really important that in black theatres in particular, we get away from this kind of very limited idea of what it is to be black and what a black voice is. I've got hope. In the younger generation, I think the, some of the young people I work with are much more nuanced around uh, so-called cultural uh, diversity. Um, but I think the stage will only get more interesting when we get off our phones, get off of the podcast and start talking to each other. Magisolo Adebayo just mentioned the late Professor Stuart Hall, whom you may remember was the legendary cultural theorist. He was Jamaican-born and British and worked at the University of Birmingham. So theatre, in London at least, could benefit from widening its representations of both linguistic and ethnic diversity. But what about other art forms? Next up is Philip Bullock, Professor of Russian Literature and Music at the University of Oxford. He's also a researcher on creative multilingualism. He moves the conversation on to languages in music. I'm very interested in the question of the relationship between words and music, precisely because there's a fascinating translation dimension here. The main object of my inquiry is actually quite a high cultural form, and I'm looking at the European art song tradition, what in German is called Lieder or Kunstlieder, so art songs, melody in French, romance in Russian. And I'm fascinated by this form because it's how I first came to modern languages. I was... uh, very interested in music as a teenager and realised that the music that excited me most always had words and it was always foreign words, Russian words, German words, French words, Italian words. And much of my multilingual training and exposure has come through engaging with this repertoire. And it's led me to think about this repertoire, this song repertoire, as a site of multilingualism in contemporary society through performance. Because when you go to a song recital, you are hearing untranslated foreign words, usually. You are hearing German lieder or French melody or Russian romance sung in their original language, very often by a native speaker, but very often by someone who's learnt to sing that language, to perform that language, and that is a performance of a kind of national identity. And as an audience member, you're hearing foreignness, and you're often glancing down at a programme book or looking up at a surtitle, um, which allows you to have a multilingual encounter with Heine or Goethe or Pushkin or Victor Hugo or Verlaine. And I, I like that very much because it is a different form of translation from reading a novel where you're just reading in English and the original is somewhere but buried or off, out of sight, out of mind. Or going to the theatre where you are hearing Chekhov in English, um, anglicised, made domestic very often by by the process of translation, performed by English-speaking actors in whichever way they do. And I like song because it keeps the foreign alongside the translation and, and holds them simultaneously together and allows the audience to engage with that process. That's quite a high cultural phenomenon. The field I work on is, is art music, it's opera as well. And there are certain barriers to participation and appreciation of that. Those of us who love this repertoire try really hard to make sure that isn't the case, but there are some lingering preconceptions about that world and its social codes, which may keep people out. But... This kind of translingual encounter happens in all kinds of ways. 
like watching Scandinavian noir dramas on Netflix means you're watching something in Danish or Norwegian or Swedish with English subtitles. You're watching foreign films. And Moldova's films are an extraordinary way of encountering a particular form of vivid, performed Spanishness with surtitles. Um, and I think we see much more of this than we perhaps realise in contemporary culture. In pop music too, um, although it's very often seen as an Anglophone world, there are major non-English repertoires, uh, which often come through communities, uh, diasporic communities, refugees and migrants who bring with them their, their language and their culture, often through music. And the European art, song and opera repertoire has its non-hierarchical forms as well. All of these were actually began as popular forms. Uh, Italy is a culture in which opera is still very demotic, very popular. And art song is close to folk song in many ways. And I think we should find, we should use that as a way of bridging barriers between high art, popular culture, between classical music and urban creativity. And part of the excitement of working on this project is it's, it's made me turn that aspiration into a lived reality. So, what have we heard so far in this episode? Britain is a country of great linguistic diversity, but culture isn't reflecting this fully, particularly in some sectors like theatre, while opera may have traditionally managed better. Promoting minority languages is something I also know a fair bit about, because I run a project called Slanguages, for none other than creative multilingualism. And Slanguages supports artists working in minority languages, helping to bring them to mainstream audiences. One of the artists we've worked with is Ashley Roberts. Next, we're going to hear Ashley discussing her play Between the Rocks. My name is Ashley Roberts, or now known as Ashley Elizabeth Lolo, and my play is called Between the Rocks, which is a piece exploring my grandmother's journey into the UK and the challenges that she faced settling in a European space and the legacy that she left behind through her language to her granddaughter. Uh, so a massive part of the play is actually spoken in Patois, which was very interesting to actually create and to embody my grandmother on stage. But that is the main language, and Patois is made up so many different influences. You've got Welsh, Portuguese, English, some of the Gaelic languages as well. It all sort of feeds in, and not to mention some of the African languages as well. So you have Twi, you also have Yoruba, and it's all sort of intertwined into this beautiful language that we call Patois. I think the massive challenge that I faced at first was that my grandmother has passed away especially when I was writing the play it was very raw it was very fresh so it was trying to embody her and remember her how she was and not like towards the end of her life which you know the voice starts to get a bit more croaky and it was just embodying her in her raw form when she was powerful and strong so it was a process of going back through old videos old voice notes and just hearing the way that she sounded once again, going back to her old church as well, because a lot of people at her church sound exactly like her. And it's interesting as well to note the differences between the modern day Jamaican accent and the old school Jamaican accent, because it's it's very much, there was very much an, a need or a want to be more English in the way that they spoke when they first came to this country. And you can hear it in certain words they will say so but then you also have that version which is in the workspace or probably as we call it code switching now and then you have the home 
language, which is raw. You've got the dialects coming through quite strongly from their parishes in Jamaica and some of the slangs and colloquialisms that you'd have as well. And you also have that raw accent. And it carries through, like I said, so many of the African traditions and it just, it's got a nice rhythm to it. So it was practicing that over the course of a good couple months and just being in that space every day and just remembering how to say the words the way that she would have. I think it's very important to hear a dialect on stage because I don't see it that often. And it's quite interesting considering we live in, for example, a very multicultural city, but actually the amount of Jamaican or Caribbean plays that we've seen that are authentic to the actual experiences that we've been through are very, very minimal. So I always had a mission in my heart to make sure that my grandmother's story and that generation's story wasn't lost or just wrapped under stereotypes by people that don't actually understand the culture. So I think it was definitely, I felt like it was my duty to do so, my duty to actually tell the rest of my city and other cities as well, performing in Oxford and, you know, other parts of the Midlands, that actually this happened. We were here and this is how it sounded. This is how we looked. This is this is our legacy. This is our story. And I think, yeah, I definitely had a duty to do that. I think on a whole, the reactions were quite positive. I think a lot of people quite enjoyed me bringing my nan to life on stage. <laughs> I think a lot of the Caribbean audience as well were quite moved by the fact they could see their grandmothers or grandfathers who may have passed away. And actually to remember some of the, the sayings that they would say or some of the <laughs> quite humorous, you know, meanings of life that they sort of reasoned, which is amazing. And I think, yeah, that was really beautiful. I did have some critique, actually, because... Along the process, I realised that there are many different versions of Patua on the island. So my grandmother's from, well, was from Clorindon. So you have that version of Patua. So it's got like a different type of rhythm to it. But then you go down to St. Thomas and that would have a different type of rhythm or maybe just words that are just different in the way that you'd say it, the grammatical way of saying things. So I did have a few people saying, is that how it would be said? But actually it is. It's authentic to my history and my journey. But it was quite interesting to learn those different dialects that you don't really question because it's just like a normal thing. And then you also had a lot of people as well that were like, well, it'd be lovely to see this with other Caribbean islands and their grandmothers because you'd have someone like Guyana where it's not just necessarily the African experience. You also have the Asian experience there too or Trinidad or Barbados. So that it just opened up my eyes to the vast amount of culture and the richness that are in the Caribbean. And that was such a nice thing to experience as someone who is now part of the diaspora in the UK. So I think that was a really, really lovely experience. But yeah, the reactions were really, really good. Really, really good. Ashley Roberts is one of the many artists supported by Slanguages. We've also supported Rinku Barpaga, a performance artist using British and urban sign language, and Article, a grime artist, and many others. But of course, there's plenty more work to do more artists to support, more languages and dialects to be offered space in the cultural landscape. Translation is another method of bringing new accents, dialects and languages into British culture. Normally, we think of translation just as a copy of an original. Lost in translation is a phrase we often use. But now we consider the opposite. What happens when you see translation as an opportunity for active intervention? Some things may be lost, but maybe we should focus on what can be found in translation. 
Hello, my name is Noah Berkstead-Breen. I'm the artistic director of Sputnik Theatre Company. Uh, Sputnik is the only British theatre company dedicated to bringing new Russian plays to British audiences, and we've been running since 2005. Oxygen is a Russian play. It was written in 2003. It's by Ivan Verepayev, and it's one of the plays which is defining of the modern Russian canon. It was a complete sensation when it was performed first in Siberia in 2003 and soon after that in Moscow. Oxygen is a play which takes a tragic love story between a young man from provincial Russia and a young woman from Moscow. And it weaves their love story in which the man murders his wife from provincial Russia in order to be with his new love, this uh, woman from Moscow. And against their, against the backdrop of their love affair, it weaves the story of contemporary Russia, in particular, in particular, the way that young people felt uh, in two thousand and three, very disaffected with their situation, with um, Putin having been in power for three years, a sense of stagnation in the country, a sense of um, diminishing human rights, diminishing freedom of expression. I had been convinced for a long time that it wasn't possible to stage Oxygen in the UK. I knew about the play for a long time, um, and it felt that would not be possible to me. Primarily, it was very much a play that was born out of a particular theatrical and cultural context. In Russia, there's a dominant tradition of psychological realism, quite a conventional acting style, albeit very high quality. When Oxygen was released, it was something of a shock to many audiences in its direct um, address of the audience. In the original production, Oxygen is performed uh, not only as direct address to the audience, but also in a style which entirely disrupts naturalism. The actors speak extremely quickly, um, almost like a rap. They, they rush through the speech. I say rush through, I don't mean that in a flippant sense, but in terms of giving it a very powerful rhythm so that the musicality is as important as the words they say and the text itself has lots of repetition and lyricism. So I didn't have much hope of staging Oxygen in the UK. I felt I didn't, there was no way to translate that properly, both the language of it but also in terms of theatrical language, until the inaugural Conference of Creative Multilingualism. Rajinda, who you've met as a narrator of this podcast, Rajinda had invited several hip-hop artists to perform at this inaugural conference, um, that is, Article and Kyorion. Hearing them perform, in fact they were performing grime, hearing these grime artists perform, I had a light bulb moment and it made me think of the play Oxygen. And I turned to my colleague, Julie Curtis, who also works on creator multilingualism, and I said to her, this makes me think of Oxygen. And there's some there's some affinity between their performance and Oxygen, and she had independently had the same idea and made her think of Oxygen. So the idea came that the translation of this new Russian play could be a cross-genre, so that rather than translating it into a, an equivalent British play language, we could translate it through hip-hop and in that way capture the... the um, 
the disruption of naturalism and the lyricism that is in the original text. Yo, trying to breathe and I urge you to imagine the air full of smoke and a smell of burnt cladding. No magic carpet like Aladdin's for the little lad at the top of the flats. Mum and dad panicking. So the process of working with two hip-hop artists, Lady Sanity and Stanza Devan, has been very organic. We looked at the text. This is an atypical process for all of us. There's no precedent of how to work in this way to make a hip-hop translation. So every time we've met, we've just been very open with each other. We've looked at the original Russian. We've thought, how can we in some way respond to the spirit of that play, but in a very free style, creating a free adaptation. So we feel that we're not rooted to be too literal to the original, trying to capture each semantic unit, for example, but we're trying to engage with what's there in essence. We had um, several meetings and then an intensive week of work together, uh, a research and development process, and then we performed an extract uh, for an invited audience, and you'll hear some of that extract in a moment. The process allowed us to adapt characters, to adapt plotting into an equivalent UK context. One other aspect was the work, is it felt strange, once we'd adapted it to the UK context, not to also bring in the artists' lives into the story, since they are also part of this process, and we're looking at a larger translation process of a new Russian play into hip-hop, into a British cultural context, and it felt relevant to weave in their stories too. And now here's Stan Sivan and Lady Sanity telling you more about their responses. The main thing that we did was kind of sat down and we brainstormed. So the first few days we actually just looked at the, um, the original script. And then once we brainstormed and like bullet pointed about what we would see the main characters as, because there wasn't really much there. So it made it a lot easier as well to then create. Um, so we took down some main points and then kind of imagined the modern day version. So it took a, a few scrolls through Instagrams and socials to think, okay, yeah, I think this is the kind of girl that Jordan would be, um, you know, your typical glamorous Instagram model kind of personality. And then, yeah, I think we just built from there. But it, luckily enough, the script did leave uh, a wide gap for us to then go forward and create. So it was helpful in that sense as well. Um, in terms of the dialogue, though, the way that that came about is one of the days me and Stanza literally just like asked a few questions from Noah and then we just kind of dived into a conversation for like an hour which Noah recorded and then he actually took parts of like our actual lives and then kind of weaved it into this uh, bits of banter that we had between ourselves as well that's just me and Stanza's characters and just you know by knowing each other and not taking offense to anything that anyone says but um, yeah it, it was an interesting process. Coming into this project I had no idea with regards to Russian fears, but I was just like, okay, wow, this is going to be a task. And then reading the script itself, I was just like, I don't understand this shit, to be honest with you. But um, as you delve more into it, you get more interested and you learn more things. And then it just, you end up just being cultured a bit more than you were before um, you approached it. But, um, I think one of the goals was, I don't know, I think some of you would agree, was to sort of encourage more people like us from our backgrounds to sort of delve into Russian culture. I think 
you're really missing out on life if you're just into one culture and that's the, the one that you're accustomed to and that's all you know. I think you need to, to, to live a rich life. I think you need to delve into different sorts of cultures. Like I'm always going to be hip-hop at heart, but there's so many other things that I want to learn about. And I think that's, that's the point, is to sort of encourage people who wouldn't necessarily go and see Russian theatre to come and have a look. And, and sometimes um, the dangled carrot, so to speak, is the fact that there's hip-hop in it. Some chat rooms through school, he was techie but could have had the abuse. From my point of view, something very special happened when we adapted Oxygen through hip-hop into a new hip-hop multilingual drama. Something was found in translation. When audiences saw it at the showing that we had at the Birmingham City University, it was an, in some ways a destabilising experience for them. What is this? Is it a new Russian play? Is it just a piece of hip-hop? Is it a new British play? It wasn't obvious to them necessarily as they began to watch it, but I hope as the, as the extract went on, they started to feel more comfortable. Maybe this is some of all of those things. But the, what was special about that experience was I have found when I normally stage new Russian plays for audiences who often come to Sputnik's productions, they get very comfortable with that. They know what to expect. And hip-hop hip -hop fans will go to hip-hop gigs and they're perhaps comfortable with those traditions. But what's interesting is to propose something different to both audiences. Why can't hip-hop artists translate a new Russian play? It proposes that Russian culture isn't something entirely foreign or something entirely familiar, but that there might be things in common between British hip-hop artists and Russian playwrights. It takes away from the othering, which often happens when we watch or translate or stage new Russian plays, which for me is a very important moment. Thanks for listening to our Linguamania podcast. The series is produced by Creative Multilingualism, a research programme led by the University of Oxford and funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. Our aim is to make languages more visible, valued and vibrant. If you've enjoyed this episode, have a listen to the rest of the series. And you can find out more about Creative Multilingualism at www.creativeml.ox.ac.uk That's www dot creativeml.ox.ac.uk or follow us on Twitter at creative langs all one word and you'll find all this information on our website. Mm -hmm.